Hi friends, welcome along. This is the Influence Podcast. If you're looking to inspire more people, have a positive impact on a global scale, build an influential and magnetic brand, and build a profitable business with your unique gifts and talents, then the Influence Podcast is for you. I'm your host, Jake Adam Davey, former high school French and Spanish teacher, turned international speaker, online business coach, and Instagram growth and monetization enthusiast. You can find tools, resources, and so much more on the website, jakeadamdavy.com. And you can also say hello on Instagram at jakeadamdavy. Please also, if you're enjoying the podcast, do feel free to leave a review. The more stars, the better, of course. But equally, if you're not enjoying it, you are still invited to leave a review. The one thing I would also ask is, of course, sharing is caring. So if you've listened to something or heard something in the podcast that you think you've enjoyed or would be useful and beneficial to other people, then please do hit that share button and pass it on to somebody that you know. I'd be so very, very grateful and so thankful if you did. Now let's dive into today's episode on the Influence Podcast. Okay, hello, welcome along. This is episode number 95 of the Influence Podcast. And today I am excited to be joined by and to be able to interview and have the privilege to interview um, experienced, uh, I mean, experience doesn't uh, doesn't cut it, one uh, remarkably experienced life coach. Um, and Steve is going to dive in. We're going to tell his story straight away. Um, ultimately, one major event in his life that totally changed the direction of his life. Uh, he worked in construction from ages 19 to 38. And then on a particular day, 11th of January in 2011, uh, a major event happened in his life at work, which totally transformed um, his life journey moving forward, but also now what he does. Uh, I'm not going to say too much about this event. I'm going to leave this to Steve uh, to, to share more about this. But from this particular event, it brought about a number of very low periods uh, in his life. Um, and what he has done since then is taken those, those events and that experience and really transformed it to use it as a real positive power. When we first spoke, he, uh, he said he, he likes, he loves the idea uh, of being the, the, the English Tony Robbins, right? And I'm fully behind that. Um, I back that. And you'll see what I mean when we start chatting with, with Steve in just a moment. Um, he's, he's now 42. So this, this, this event took place um, a number of years ago. Um, and he's a qualified uh, CBT therapist, uh, hypnotherapy practitioner, um, specializing in NLP. Uh, he's also certified health and nutrition coach, and he's a life coach as well. So having taken this experience that he's had uh, a number of years ago, he's now using this for good. Uh, he's helping people, educating people. He does a lot of speaking events as well. And he may well be, um, I think, one of the probably one of the most uh, incredible um, stories of people that we've interviewed on this episode so far. So without any further hesitation, uh, I'm going to introduce and invite Steve Kirby onto the show. Steve, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Thank you for having me, Jay. That was um, some introduction. Um, thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us. So. So we connected on, um, just give a quick intro for everybody and then, and then we'll dive in. Um, we connected on LinkedIn uh, about, about two months or so ago. Uh, yeah. and, and you've, you've launched now uh, SK Life Coaching UK, uh, which has been around for a number of years. So I'm gonna ask you to tell us about the, the, the life coaching business as well. But we met and uh, we started chatting and 
connected on a number of levels, but I was, I was particularly impressed by the fact that you do a lot of speaking, you've done a lot of work uh, in corporate, but also um, you do a lot of one-to-one -one coaching support as well. Uh, but it all stemmed from this particular event that happened uh, a number of years ago whilst you were working. So I mean, would you mind just sharing a little bit about, firstly, about the event uh, and painting a picture for people that are listening? And then uh, we'll dive into just, you know, how that's impacted significantly on what you're doing today. Yeah, definitely. So I kind of started out as a, as in construction and demolition. Um, started off as a site labourer when I was 20. And I went on various I, was, I ended up being a site manager uh, at, at the time of my accident I was a, a 360 operator I was driving a bigger machine I was a confident guy always been confident most of my life um, and on this particular day we was doing a, a hydrostatic test um, we'd installed 60 meters of pipe work for a new fire hydrant system obviously Fire hydrant system had to be under pressure, um, so it was for a chemical plant. If, if any fires happen, we'd installed this pipework, and it was down to us on this day to do this hydrostatic pressure test. Now, there were six of us on the team, and only one guy had ever done a hydrostatic test before. Uh, so he said, "We we went through risk assessments, method statements, everything you do on site to make sure we was fully aware of what was going on, the risks, uh, and to get the job done." We believe it was all competent people. It was all it was all good workers. And on this day, freezing cold January morning, thick snow and ice. Um, we assessed what we was doing. We signed all the paperwork and we set everything up. Now, what went into too much detail? We filled the the land, um, like sixty meters of six hundred mil pipe, with water to pair the air out, and it had uh, like a spigot end, like the test end of the pipe was at the end of this 60 meters. Now this end of pipe weighed around about 460 kilograms, something like that, so it's a big chunk of pipe. Once the air was purged out, we'd set up these compressors and we started pressurizing, we started the test. Now I'm sat in my nice warm bigger at this point, watching the guys freezing cold, all scared, all set up. As we started pressurizing at around two or three bar, the test plate, which it, it's hard to explain, but if you look on the website, there's pictures and stuff, but the test plate started leaking just slightly. And we had two young guys with us. There was only like 19 and 20, like like what training basically, like apprentices. And it started leaking. So we turned the compressors off and these two guys got into the, the trench, which was about seven foot tall and really narrow. With a, with a ratchet spanner, started tightening up the, the nuts where it was leaking. They got back out, turned the compressors on, started repressurizing again. And then it got to five, six bar of pressure, started leaking again. It was just not getting, we had to, we was testing up to about 28 bar of pressure and we was told it could go up to 34 bar of pressure. Right. We were only at about five or six bar at this point. Um, so that again, Stop the compressors, but they're still pressuring the pipe work. These two young kids get back in, having a laugh, sat on the pipe, trying to tighten up these nuts and these bolts. And they've done that, got out, pressurized again. About 10 bar started leaking again. So at this point, one of our guys had gone to the office and said to the management team, something's not happening with this pipe. It, it's taking too long to get under pressure. 
Um, it's, we don't know what's going on. And the, literally looked on the computer and said, it's, it says you can, it, it can be tested up to this amount, just carry on, it will get up to pressure, just keep going at it. So when like the management saying, like, it, it can't fail, just keep going at it, we, just, we did what we were told, basically. A few hours passed and it got up to between 12 and 18 bar of pressure. And it was, it was maybe three o'clock in the afternoon and we'd been at it all day. Yeah. And I'd watch these guys getting in and out of this wet, muddy trench. And I'm sat nice and warm in my, in my 360, my digger. And I just, it started leaking again. And I just thought to myself, something's not right. I'm going to get in there and I'm just going to tighten them up once and for all. I, I was bodybuilding at the time. I wasn't being gung-ho or anything. I just believed I was the strongest person there. And if I get in there and tighten all 24 bolts up, we can get it back on. We can get it done. Yeah. So at that point, um, yeah, I, I climbed up the machine, gets near the trench. I put on my, my rescue harness because we're entering the trench. I climbed down the ladder. And the other two young kids are, are like panicking me for going in because they're freezing and they just want to get the wet wellies off and, and get warm. And... Luckily, I didn't take the, the ratchet spanner, I didn't take the spanner with me. And as I entered the trench, I reached up for the, for the spanner. That was my last memory at that moment. Basically, the pipe had failed uh, and it, ex it exploded. It, 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 the, the, the end weighing 460-something kilograms blew off. Wow. And I was, I opened my eyes. I was trapped underwater. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know which way was up. I didn't know which way was down. Uh, I was getting battered about, thrown about. The only way I can explain it to people is it was like being in a washing machine. I was in a closed area and I was being thrown. And when the state, your life flashes before you, all I could see was my, my two kids who was four and eight at the time and my partner. And I think my, my mum had popped into my head. Full family literally just had gone through my mind and I just I remember screaming in my head, I'm I, I can't die. I don't want to die. I'm not I'm not gonna die. And then it, it seemed like forever, but the reality was it was about 30 seconds. And everything seemed to go still. And then one of the young lads I didn't realise at the time, but he jumped in, yeah, grabbed grabbed me and like pulled me out and then they all kind of, they all threw me out of the trench. And even at that point I, I, it was all looking at me and screaming at me to breathe, and I couldn't breathe because I'd swallowed so much water. The shock of what had gone on, yeah. um, didn't know where I was. I thought I was in a river. I didn't even know I was at work. And they were all screaming at me to breathe, but nobody knew what to do. So I'm stood there looking at all these faces, feeling like I was about to pass out again. And you know, luckily, as one of the guys kind of threw me, all the water came out, and, and I was able to to breathe. And it was at that point. We re I realised, looking back into the trench, that the end, the pipe had failed. My digger bucket, which was in the trench, had been hit by the end of the pipe, yeah. and it had moved it like three metres to the end of the trench. So it had gone off like a cannon. Right. Um, yeah, how it didn't cut me in half, no, I'm not sure. But I believe when the weld had failed, a wall of water had come out, and the water threw me to one side, then the end blew off, and then I'd landed back down into the water. Right. 
yeah it was um an experience wow yeah i'm, I'm just i'm listening so i've i've never i've never heard that story in that level of detail so i'm taking this in for the first time as well um which is just in, incredible it sounds like the way i mean the way that you tell there's so many i mean i, don't, I genuinely don't even know where to go next but the, the way that you tell that story it sounds like there were a number of things that just weren't set up the right way that yeah there's so many looking, things that it could have been avoided looking back now and knowing what i know and hindsight and all this we should have been nowhere near that pipe while it was under pressure. Uh, nobody should have been. Um, at 100%, if the two young lads, if there was two bodies in that small space, one of them would have died in that moment because there wasn't enough room to be... Like, I think I was lucky because I, I got through all the way. I was like unconscious instantly, I think. Someone's explosion went. And I was thrown to one side and then battered about by the pressure. Um, but if there'd have been two bodies in there at that point, if, if Anthony and Jordan had just still been in there, there would have definitely been a fatality. But in hindsight, the job should have been stopped. We should have, someone should have realised why it wasn't getting under pressure and it should have been stripped down and restarted. Um, but it wasn't. And part of when I go to these, these businesses and companies talking about my accident, a massive part of that was lack of training and lack of communication yeah, yeah. Um, between us all yeah but yeah uh, it, in that moment like looking I know, I know lucky we all was that uh, there wasn't a fatality on on site that day because if a lot of the a lot of the companies i've done i've gone and spoke to they know guys and i know of, of, of accidents very similar where the someone's died at like four bar of pressure no I didn't realise one bar of pressure is the equivalent of, I think it's 10 metres of water. Right. That was going to be my next question, yeah. So to give yeah. an idea of, of that level of pressure, what, what would you equate yeah. that to then? So I think the last time, like me, Jordan, when we looked at the, at the gauge on the on the compressor before I went in, it was at 18 bar, uh, which is like 180 metres of water, I believe. Yeah. Kind of in that area. So if you imagine that fuzzy red, Wow. It's it's a lot of work. Um, yeah. But the reason it had failed was because a section of the pipe had risen and there was a pocket of air trapped in there. Right. And also it was a compression weld and the pipe, the, for anyone listening who understands it, the the bolts had been over tightened on the weld so that the weld was damaged so that that's the reason it's it slid off. So there was a number of, there was a number of things like faults what what caused it to fail basically that day? Yeah. Well, well um, what what happened immediately after? I mean, you've got you, you've got people. You know, you've you've been in there. You've been thrown around absolute chaos, and you've got the team there looking at you. You know, waiting for you to breathe, not realizing that obviously yeah. you, your lungs are full of water. What does the next? You maybe don't remember, but what does the next hour? Few, even just a few minutes look like i remember they was all telling me to lay down and my my boots had been blown off my feet somehow so i had wet boots on which just they got one had been blown i think it was the, over a pipe track it was the equivalent of like 10 meters away wow um 
So how that happened, I must have been thrown in the air. Yeah. Um, the harness that I'd put on had, and, my ja- and my jacket had been blown off one shoulder because both, both arms had been hyperextended fully back, like right. further than I can bear to think of. Yeah. Um, so my clothes had literally been blown off with the pressure. Um, and there was also there was all shouting at me to lay down because I'm like 15 stone around that weight. So the, I'm, I'm a biggish guy. There was like, lay down before you fall down because you're going to hurt yourself. Then there was looking at my face really weird and I, I couldn't understand why, but I had a big bruise and swelling on my face. And I had a gash in the back of my head. So my head was bleeding. Yeah. So they're all, they're all trying to not panic me, but let me know that I'm not right and I need to, to, to sit down. By this point, there was a lot of people around because um, they'd heard the explosion. It, I don't remember it, but apparently it was a, a big almighty bang. Um, people in, working in surrounding areas all came. Uh, I just remember being surrounded by people. But the the on-site emergency services got to me. About, I think it took about 15 minutes before they got to me. And I just, everybody had given me all the coats to like keep warm because as I said in the beginning, it was it was beginning of January. It was yeah. it was thick snow and ice freezing. Yeah. But I just felt, I, to be honest, I, I just I was alive, and that's all I could think about was because in my mind, what seemed like seconds ago, I was screaming not to die. Yeah. And and then to to be sat there, even though I knew I was battered and bruised, but I was still here, and that was a a massive relief. What. Uh... I mean, um, how, what, what did that do then over the next few weeks, months? How did that relate with, 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 with family, um, with, with, with work and like going back to work or was it like, I mean, it, it's just, it just impacts on every part of your life. Right. I mean, what, what was the fallout from that? I I ended up getting taken to hospital when I got to hospital, um, I was assessed I had, because the, where what we was doing, the, the trench was full of pipe bedding, like small small gravel. And with the, when I'd been getting thrown about, like the washing machine experience part of it, I had just had loads of gravel stuck in my head. And I remember when I, when I was at the hospital, the worst part about every part of it, the stitches, I, I had a few stitches in the back of my head, but... I thought, how are you going to get the gravel out? And the only way to get the gravel out is to get a, a stiff brush and literally brush it out your head. <laughs> um, and out of everything, that was, that was kind of the worst experience of, of all of it um, yeah. in that moment. But luckily, I, I was allowed to go home. Um, the, the said, because I'd been knocked unconscious, they wanted to keep me in, but I just needed to see my kids and and... That was all I could think about was was getting on to Katie and the boys, and I, and I left the hospital. Uh, I went home, and again it was just a massive relief to be home. The stress of everything, but I felt in in that moment I remember feeling good. I remember just think, being happy that I was I survived and a few stitches and battered and bruised. But I didn't realise the extent of my injuries in that moment because. A lot of it was bruising and hyperextending limbs. So they didn't start hurting for a few days. But it was that night when I went to bed. I'm laid in bed and 
you, obviously you process stuff from through the day. And I was thinking about it, but I, I still, I wasn't that. I was more relieved in that moment. I still wasn't scared or afraid. As I closed my eyes and I started falling to sleep, all of a sudden I was back underwater, reliving the whole experience again. Yeah. And it was it was so real. It was as, as real as the actual event. And I remember waking up, shaking, like shouting, screaming, Katie said, you're having a dream, you're having a dream. And I couldn't stop shaking. And I just felt it, 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 it I felt like I was back there, basically. Yeah. Um, had a drink of water, calmed down, chilled out for a little bit. As I calmed down, maybe took about two hours for me to just relax and try and attempt to go back to sleep. As I started sleeping again, the exact same thing happened again. Now, when when you're about to fall asleep and your feet might kick, you feel like you fell off a cliff or something. It's yeah. like a, a twitch. twitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Literally in that second, it all happened again. Um, and I relived it again, and I, I was trapped, and I was just trapped in the water, screaming in my head, "I can't die! I don't want to die! Help! Help!" And yeah, I didn't get much sleep that night. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, what, what then changed for you after that event? That leading on from that, the very next day, um, I was. It, even the smell of water, Katie could turn a tap on in the kitchen. And I'd smell water and my body would start shaking. And I didn't understand why. And it got, like that night, I knew I was going to be having flashbacks again. And my way of, of chilling out and relaxing was to have a few beers. I thought, if I have a few beers, I'll relax, I'll be able to sleep. Yeah. By the end of the week, um, I was drinking anything I could, like two litre bottles of cheap cider, anything I could. And at that point as well, I, we had no savings and I, we kind of lived week to week and I was off work. So I, I wasn't even really thinking about work. It was just, I, I need to feel normal again. I need to feel yeah. not scared and I need to sleep. So by the end of the week, I, I was drinking a lot more than I, I ever had. And that, kind of went on for the next, I think it was six weeks. Right. And within that time, I've I've never been depressed in my life. I've gone through, part of my life coaching is experiences I've got in life full stop, like from parents being divorced and, and, and part of what happened when I was younger. But even though everything I've gone through, I've always believed I was a strong person. And for when it came to depression, like, Ten years ago, we didn't really talk about mental health. We talk about depression, but not mental health as such. Yeah. And for me, I didn't understand depression. So if somebody had depression or they told me they was off work with depression, I'd say it's all in your head. It's just an excuse to be off work. It's it, it's not there. You know, like, and I was that person that would say to somebody, "Oh, crack a man up, get on with it." Yeah. Once I'd kind of gone down this this alcohol route and, and feeling feeling down, I realised that something wasn't right. And I, I was angry all the time. I was agitated. When the, Harry was only for my youngest lad, and he'd want to do stuff with me, like because I was off work as well, I couldn't work. It, it was, and he'd be coming up to me saying, Daddy, Daddy, come down. And I'd, I'd tell him to go away. I'd tell him to go to his mum. 
I, I had no time for, for anybody. I just felt agitated and angry. But then I'd found myself a couple of hours later locked in the bathroom, knowing that I told him to go away and thinking, why am I doing this? And then I'd be crying my eyes out. But then I'd leave the bathroom or the bedroom or wherever I was at that point. And Kate is to, are you all right? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. And I wasn't good. And she knew I wasn't good. But in my mind, I just thought, I'll be all right. I'll get through it. I'll, I'll, it'll, it'll go away. I'll be fine. And yeah, and from that, it, it just got worse and worse. Like the, when they say there's a dark cloud above your head, it just wouldn't clear. And and in the end, it was, it was Katie who gave me an ultimatum. And she said to me, look, Steve, you either go and get help and see your doctor or you pack a bag and leave because we can't live like this. And in that moment, I remember my ego thinking, I'm going to pack a bag and leave. I, I can sort this myself. I, I, you're not you're not telling me what to do or giving me an ultimatum. And I remember thinking, I'm just going to pack a bag. And then as I'm in the bedroom thinking about it, that being trapped underwater came back to me, that moment where I was I didn't want to die and I wanted my kids and I wanted Katie and my family. And I'm stood there crying again, packing a bag, thinking, I, I need to get help. Yeah. You know, and... I can't, I can't pack a bag, I need to go and get help. And I called the doctors, I got an appointment the very next day, and I brought it down in the, in the doctors and I explained everything to him, and he, he told me that I had PTSD, anxiety, and depression. And my response was to kind of laugh and say, people like me don't get PTSD. People in the forces will go to Iraq and places like that, they get PTSD, not. And he said, no, trust me. You, you you need to see a specialist. So in that moment, I was I was referred to go and see a counsellor. Yeah. So I'm going to come on to that in just a moment because we we've chatted about that previously. But before before I do, um, looking back at looking back now, where obviously where you are today, um, looking back at that time in your life. Um, how do you see that that period between after the accident and then and then acknowledging that you needed help? If you were talking to that person now, what kind of things would you say? What what do you think you didn't see at the time that you see now a lot more clearly? It was, it, my full mindset back at that time was, I, I, I believed that I, I got it in my mind that I should have died that day, and then in my mind, in the darkest times. I believed I was going to die soon. Um, and that's all I could think about was dying. And I never I never planned suicide or anything like that, but I did believe I was going to die, whether it was getting run over or it was coming. And that that made me not want to do anything as well. I didn't want to leave the house. But my looking back now, if I, if, if I saw that guy, I'd sit him down and I'd go through techniques that were breathing and stress-related, uh, like obviously when it comes to endorphins and serotonin and I'd, I'd tell him that is is normal it's normal to feel the way he's feeling because I didn't feel normal I'd tell him that it's normal to feel the way he's feeling and he's definitely not alone so like there's many many other people out there who are feeling exactly the same but when you're in that moment you you think it's just you you're by yourself 
you're you're alone, um, and we're never alone. There's always someone you can reach out to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so for people that are listening, then maybe not uh, who are listening to the audio as opposed to watching the video um, back at your. So you said before, like 15 stone, you're a big guy. You used to do a lot of bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, you know, when we first spoke, like you, you know, you come across big guy, confident. So the stereotype would be, um, you know, exactly as you've said, you know, got it all sorted, nothing to worry about. These things don't happen to me. Feel, feel a bit myself, you know, like I'll, I'll be fine. I'll get through it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you don't have to just get through it. You know what I mean? There's there's ways of of really getting through something rather than believing you can do it yourself. And and the mind's a powerful thing. If if you're not aware of it and where you're at in life, it, you ne- it's going to take a long time for you to get through something yourself if you get through it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you reach if you reach out and you get the help from somebody who, who understands, who knows, who's got that empathy, who's gone through something similar. It's it it just releases that weight off your shoulders. It's the the clouds clear a lot faster. Yeah. Do you you still? I'm gonna we're gonna come on now to the the coaching and the coaching business that you've got and the the how you've used this you know to ultimately for positive but to help others as well. Um, But just before we do, how two of the questions I'd like to ask just about that part, which are how is your relationship now, or how do you think about dying if you still do is it something that you that you still consider on a a regular basis or that you still have thoughts about and then the second question is how what's your relationship like with water now yeah well the the relationship with water took me quite a while um i had therapy uh, counseling for for a number of months and we we did like exposure therapy and all sorts to do with water yeah no, even even getting a shower and stuff like that, I did it at the time, but my body had gone to fight or flight and I, I wouldn't know why it was happening. Um, but as far as now, I've got no problem with water. I've got kind of through all that myself. Yeah. Um, I can take, I can take the kids swimming and stuff and I, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, as far as, sorry, what was the other part of the question? So you mentioned before about Thoughts about dying. dying and leaving yeah. the house, and you know, as far as, as far as dying, um, it's something that happens in life to me now. You know, like we are none of us know how or when it's going to happen. Man, could have happened on that day. Um, I had meningitis as a kid; it could have happened then. It, it can it can happen to us at any point. Um, but worrying about it isn't going to make it not happen. Um, it it it's part of life. So I have no fear of dying at all now. Um, life is precious. We've got to enjoy every part of it we've got while we're here and those around us. And, and that's kind of my outlook on it now. I've, I'm a lot, I've got a lot of gratitude for what I have and what, even what I went through. Yeah. Uh, it was a horrible traumatic time, but I've took massive lessons from it and it's, it's made me person I am now sat here talking to you yeah so yeah I was going to say then that's because that ties in now perfectly with the the real shift that you've had in terms of like career well career is not even the right way it's more about your like almost purpose in life and what you're looking to do now and and how you've totally repositioned yourself so 
tell tell us now a little bit about you've, you've got uh, again for people watching the video they'll see you've got the the sk life coach uk hat on um which, which <laughs> i love it um but tell us a bit more about kind of the the coaching and and where did that transition start from getting support getting therapy getting help to actually do you know what i can use this for good and i can help people and 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 i want to get out there and start helping people where did that shift from where do you first see that it it kind of started um during my therapy when i went to see my first therapist she I, i explained my story and she told me she wasn't qualified enough to help me and that just frightened me all the more at that point. I thought, well, what's wrong with me? Yeah. So then I had to get referred to um, Victoria House, which is a, a mental health facility in Hull, yeah. uh, like a mental health hospital. And I got I got referred to this other lady. Now, for me, I'd go into a therapy session and I'd talk for an hour. And no matter where I was at in that conversation, she'd say, Right, time's up now, Steve. We'll see you again same time next week. And then I kind of leave feeling as bad as I did when I got there, so yeah. if not worse. And at the end of my sessions, whether it was there as a therapist or whether it was like for whether a therapist just won't for me, but at the end of my set, when it finished, I was still in a, a dark place. I understood fight and flight and freeze. She taught me that. Yeah. But that was it. I, I, my mind was still all over the place. I still didn't understand why I was feeling the way I was feeling. The anxiety, the sweaty palms, the panic attacks were still happening. Yeah. That, that had not gone away. Um, and I was offered medication and said, you know how to deal with it all now. Use the techniques that were told you and get through. You, you'll be fine. And I, I wasn't fine. Uh, I was still far from fine after the therapy had finished. The counselling had finished so I started to read um I just needed I needed to do something because I knew I need I could I needed to make myself in my in my mind normal again if you, if you like yeah um, so I started to read and I think the first book I ever read with I said this to you before was Free Magic Words and yeah. Free Magic Words you get all the way through the book and it doesn't tell you what these Free Magic Words are until you get to the very end and when you get to, Without spoiling it for anyone, it's probably get. <laughs> yeah, don't spoil it, yeah. <laughs> but when you get to the very end, the three magic words are, I am God. And that kind of flipped to switch in me. And I started understanding that I'm in control of my thoughts. Nobody yeah. else, nobody else can control what I'm thinking. It's 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 on me. And that led me down. I start, I came across self-hypnosis and meditation. And that helped me slow my thoughts down and relax me massively. Yeah. The more I could do that, the more I could, I had time to think for myself, you know, rather than everything else that was going on in my head. And it, it just, yeah, it just started helping massively. I started, started training again, physio had stopped in my arms because I'd been hyperextended. Yeah. I was having cortisol injections for a while. But once I could start kind of training again and, and using self-hypnosis and meditation, then I just carried on reading. And spirituality, like the way we breathe, human behaviors. And and then the more I learned, the more I thought, well, this is not easy, but 
why was I, why was I thinking how I was thinking? Why was the council, the therapy session, telling me to do this and do that when all I had to do was think, I am my thoughts. No, I mean my thoughts are mine. And then I just started using that to help people. Even when before I, I had no intention of being a coach, a life coach, but I'd get talking to people and they'd be like, "Oh, well, how, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with anxiety?" And I just give them techniques in focusing on the breathing, like focusing on the feelings around them, so that they know that they're, they're kind of centered and they're comfortable. And then it, I said, "I'll just go. Don't don't fight it. Can't instead of fighting it, accept it." And then that's gone on, and I've just carried on learning, and my my client list was growing. And then a guy said, "You should go and share your story with with." companies or businesses he said because if one person hears his story and it stops them and the 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 cell and I are trained to do that or I don't want to end up risking my life because it was something wrong then you could you could save lives. So then I just I set up SK Life Coach UK and that was my intention. Not so much the the one-to-one coaching it was more at that point just going around doing a talk, but then helping the guys on site, you know, doing one-to-one with them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as words got about, uh, I found myself just helping more, not just men as well, just a, a lot of women who, who were struggling with, with suicidal thoughts and and in a really dark place, even before COVID, and like self-harming, stuff like that. But the techniques, the tools that I've learned from, from myself, from my 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 past I've kind of shown them and everybody that I've spoken to is in a better place so I thought I need to take this further and do more courses do more training yeah. and, and do it as a career and thankfully um, well somehow I've, I've found myself sat now talking to you and, yeah. and, <laughs> and yeah I've, I've gone from a, a demolition man and a 360 driver to, to helping people yeah and it's like you said earlier, when people see me and I'm like 15 and a half stone and covered in tattoos and they don't expect me to be the person that they're going to sit down and I'm going to explain to them in 20 minutes how to flip that switch in the mind and they're going to think differently and they're going to move on with whatever troubles they've got. And everybody that I speak to, luckily, thanks me and said, you've done amazing, I'm a different person. Yeah. And there's no better feeling than that. You know, like knowing that someone was in a darker place as what I was, but maybe darker. And after having a chat with me or a few sessions, they're in a totally different place. Yeah. So. I, yeah, I, I think I think I think it's incredible. It's such a there's so much in there that you that you shared from this kind of experience. What feels like quite not quite, but feels like a, a negative experience where you you get in the therapy sessions. You've got you've got you know, you're talking through everything, as you say, it kind of, when you share, you, 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 it brings out the pain, right? And you're feeling bad about yeah. things. And then somebody's tapping their watch saying, right, time's up, uh, off you go, kind of. I mean, you know, you just... Yeah. I, I've, I've got nothing against therapy, counsellors, stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not having to go any of them in that field. But for myself, if I'd have known about coaching at that time, I didn't need to relive it all. I needed coaching going forward. And that's how yeah. I kind of, like, for, for anybody who's struggling with anything in the past, 
we cannot change the past. It's it's happened. It's done. So whether it's whether it's yourself that's done something or somebody else that's done something to you, but you can't change it. For me, the only thing you can do is forgive yourself, forgive them. Maybe not in your heart, but in your mind. Say, right, I forgive you. I'm moving on with my life. Yeah. And then you can you can draw a line under it, and you can start planning for for tomorrow rather than and just take lessons. Like I've took lessons from everything that that happened to me. Even stuff before the accident that I've, that's happened in life, whereas I might have looked back on them and had regret. So yeah. there's no regrets. It's it's take a lesson from every experience you've gone through and use that to become a stronger person today so to get through yeah. whatever comes tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I'm 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 I'm, inter- I'm interested to know. Uh, I want to talk more about the coaching and your bigger goals and the bigger vision. But just before I do. Um, what 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 was the relationship or what is the relationship now or what was the relationship like with the company after after the uh, I don't know if accident is the right word but after the event did, did was there is it amicable was there I mean if, you know you don't necessarily have to yeah. give all the details but what 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 happened in the follow up the company was a very big well known company and um, name and no names and. Basically, looking back at on the day of the accident, there was a lot of stuff that happened that I was like, well, why? When you look back, it's like, why didn't they get me an ambulance? Like, they took me in an on site ambulance, um, flashing lights, everything to a car park and put me in a colleague's car and told him to take me to the hospital. So they didn't get an ambulance or anything. the next day, even though I couldn't walk because I was just completely, I was back this, you know, like the 18 bar of pressure and the water at the end of the trench, as all that came out, I was literally, again, washing machine. Um, I couldn't walk. I was like stumbling about. They sent a driver to my house at half eight the next morning to pick me up, to take me back on site. Really? Yeah. Um, and wow. they said that I had to go, I had to go and give a, sta- a statement. So when on site, I said, "Can I give my statement first? Because I, I need to go on." I said, "I haven't slept. I was having flashbacks all night. I was having nightmares all night. I'm, I'm a mess. I was sat there shaking." My, some of the guys I work with would see me and they was like, "What the f- are you doing here? You know, like you, you need to be. You, why are you here?" And I yeah. said, "Because they brought me in." Um. So yeah. So. I, in the end, I didn't even give a statement. My, I had a family member who worked on site, and I got him to, I said, look, take me home, please. And he took me home. Um, then they sent some guys out doing an investigation to take a statement from me. They sent uh, a, a, a nurse out, um, one of their own nurses, to come and assess me. And she looked, took one look at me, and she said, you're not going to be back at work for months and months. She said, um, it's going to be a long time. And it was, it was six months I was, I was off work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so then that, and that was kind of the last I saw of them until I went, I went back um, on site. And it's only recently when I set up SK Life for UK and I wanted some, I wanted some information from the investigation for a PowerPoint presentation. And they said, oh, no, we don't want you talking about about it, so I said, "Well, I'm I'm entitled to talk about it. It's it it can stop it happening in the future, and I don't have to name all the company the way I was." 
and they, they wouldn't give me any information. And then I, I, I was told to get in touch with the HSE because through Riddle and the HSE, through Freedom of Information, they'd have all the information for me. And it turns out the accident was never reported. So really, yeah. So it was it was never reported. Then I got invited back on site two years ago when I was setting this up, and they said I'm sat with the guy who led the investigation and the the top safety guy, and I said why was it never reported? And they said it was reported, but it was reported as a, a dangerous occurrence. So I said right. So if if somebody was stood on the side of the trench and it it blew off and it failed under pressure. That's a dangerous occurrence because we watched it happen. Yeah. I said, I was stood directly in front of it and it, it, it I mean, it, it ruined my life for, for years. Yeah. If that was you or your son or one of your friends or close colleagues in that trench, would it have still been a dangerous occurrence or would it have been a, a riddle or a major accident or a riddle? And it's, it, it just, they couldn't look me in the face and just look to the floor and give me a bit of paper with this dangerous occurrence on which I've kept. Yeah. Um, but again, going forward with what I do with when I speak to companies, as well as the, the mental health aspect of everything that I talk about, which is relevant to what's going on in the world now, I talk about the importance of reporting and so can, lessons can be learned so it doesn't happen again. You know, yeah. that's, that's why a lot of companies fail. Um, I don't know if you saw my LinkedIn, I put a poll up saying, does your company still offer bonuses for safety-related KPIs for like, reporting? Yeah. And it's surprising how many companies still offer bonuses to the management teams if they don't have no accidents. But if if that's what... I'm not saying this is why they didn't report it, but if, if, if guys... In, at a management level, are all going to get a big, nice bonus at the end of the year for having zero accidents, then when something does happen, like my accident, they're not going to want to report it because there's an incentive there. Um, So, yeah, as far as my relationship with with the company where it happened, yeah, there's there's no relationship um, whatsoever. Uh, Yeah, I, I mean... I won't go into that in too much more detail, then, but that's... Um... Yeah, it can get a bit... Le- There's a lot of legalities in there, but yeah. again, without naming names, the, the know that was in the wrong. Um, anyone listening to this who knows anything about health and safety, and the the know it, it does happen, and it is wrong. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's a, again, it's another lesson. Somebody can take from, from my accident, from Absolutely. this... Yeah, and and as as you said previously, you you also incorporate that in in your teaching and your speaking, you know, with companies as well, but with the individuals, you know, are and almost helping them, maybe approaching people in the right way about the safety, about if things aren't right, and checking, you know, the necessary things as well. That's become part of what you share and what you teach now, so that if it can be avoided, then it, it will be avoided as well. Yeah, exactly. It's it's understanding, again, in the beginning, the communication side of it and the training side of it. If, if you're not fully trained to be doing something that you're asked to do or you don't feel comfortable, it's about having the confidence to stop and say, I, can't, I shouldn't be doing that. Um, is there any training? 
should I do that? And if something does go wrong, even something minor, it is about reporting it, even if you have to report it yourself, um, but document it so that there is, I mean, the, the, there's something to show that it, it's happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it opens a whole can of worms when you go into legality of it all, but it is, it's just lessons that, that can be learned from the my incident. And many other incidents out there. No, they, there's, there's plenty of other guys out there who, who do safety awareness talks, behavioural talks. With where I try to go with my talk, it's not so much just construction. It could be a group of hairdressers or factory workers, or it, it relates to everybody to reach out. Like if you look on the website, believe in yourself and reach out is is my two things I say quite a lot. And it's because if you believe in yourself, you can achieve anything. And if you don't and you reach out, you will eventually learn to believe in yourself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it hits all sectors, which, yeah. which is a good thing. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. Where where do you see this going then? So with the coaching now and your your bigger vision and goals for the future, if you could fast forward, say, a year from now, three years, five years from now, what does this look like for you and, and what kind of impact do you think you can have? As, I want everybody to understand, like millions of people that are struggling out there, even whoever's listening to this, there'll be somebody sat there believe, wanting to do something, but they've got a fear of trying it. You know, the hope one day they can do something, but it's just a hope. Or if you truly believe in yourself, you can go out there and you can achieve absolutely anything. Um, from that book, Free Magic Words, I am God. You are the God of your world. Each and every person is the God of, of their world. If they believe in themselves, they can go out there and they can achieve anything. They can do what they want to do and they can live a happy life. And I've gone through it. I know the secret of, of changing them thoughts. And with my coaching, that's what I can do. If I can get millions of people to just think, actually, if he can turn his life around, if he can turn, she can turn her life around, I can do it. And it, it's getting people to just to just understand that whatever they're going through in that moment is temporary. And they, they can achieve anything they want to achieve in life, no matter what the background is or where they're from. Yeah. So, yeah, me kind of get out there and get my message out there is, is a big part of that. I, I fully agree sorry I'm, I'm i'm looking at the moment because i want to i want to note that down i realize that we've mentioned a couple of links and things so three the book is three magic words is yeah that three right? magic words that was, that was the first book the first proper book that i read when it came to to mindfulness if you like yeah um, but when when we become mindful when you understand the mind everything becomes so much easier and a lot of people get trapped in their own thoughts and you're the one, you, the only person that can change them thoughts is yourself. And there's, there's a guy, one of my clients the other night, I've had three sessions with him and he's gone from being really, really anxious and bringing an ambulance every time he has a panic attack to now being confident in himself. And I've taught, as I said to everybody, you will be mentally, emotionally and physically stronger at the end of our session, that's that's my goal. Once you're mentally, emotionally, physically strong, and he sat there and at the end of one of my sessions, and 
again, a session isn't just an hour. It's, it can be two hours. It's however long it takes to get that message across in that session. And at the end of it, he said, what, what can I do about confidence? So I said, about confidence? He said, yeah. So I said, well, what do you mean? He said, um, someone once said to me, you're not very confident, are you? And I said, and what did you say? And he was like, well, no, not really. I said, so you're not very confident? He was like, no. I went, so who's saying that? So he's like, well, me. I said, but you're telling yourself you're not confident. I said, I went from being confident to losing all my confidence to then rebuilding it again. But the one thing that I know 100% for sure is if you're telling yourself you're not confident, then you're not confident. But if you, if you tell yourself, I am confident, and every day you tell yourself, I'm a confident person, you are a confident person. Nobody else can say otherwise. Yeah. And he, he just had a big smile on his face and he was like, I'm confident. Yeah. <laughs> I'm confident and it is what we tell ourselves daily. Yeah. You know, like, your thoughts truly do become your reality. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, that, that inner dialogue that we have with ourselves, um, I fully agree that the sooner that we are aware of it, firstly, um, that's generally the first step. And then it's a case of, how do we manage that? How do we keep track of that and tabs on that, that we're not running the same um, habits again and again and again, the same kind of old routines, but putting yeah. in the new information. And, and 95% of your thoughts you'll have today are the same as yesterday. Um, yeah. A lot of them, there's a lot of self-doubt, a lot of questions, a lot of, a lot of fear, a lot of anxieties. But when you can start changing them yourself and, and take time out to maybe do a bit of meditation, and people say that, uh, most people I speak to say, oh, I can't do meditation. I'm like, what do you mean you can't do meditation? And they're like, I just can't, I get too much stuff coming in. And I'm like, well, just push it back out again. <laughs> and eventually, that, like, again, after talking to them for a little bit, focusing on the breathing, nice breath in through the nose, nice breath out, they can get to a place where you can just stop everything. You know, and you can like, just clouds running through your, through your mind for a little bit. And that helps your full body to just go back to its normal state and and, and bring them, them levels back down. Yeah. But it, it's so difficult for, for most people, especially in stressful jobs, kids, stressful lives, to the, the thing they haven't got time to kind of meditate or to, to, to become more more thoughtful. But it, if you five minutes is enough. Yeah. I mean, five minutes can transform your day. If you can sit in the morning just for five minutes to yourself, and you're a bit angry or agitated over something, you lose that and you'll have a happy day. And yeah. it's like when people who are quite angry, quite regular, they're angry because they're being angry, you know, like, and then when you talk to them and you, you explain that, well, you don't have to be angry. You, you can just be nice and relaxed. And then they realize and they're like, sit up a bit, take a breath, and it's like, oh, yeah, actually, I feel better. You know, yeah. And they haven't done anything other than, change the way of thinking yeah yeah there's there's i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you in a moment about about books and kind of some of your um practices as well that every time that that we have or that i have a conversation with people on here uh, about on the podcast about that um that awareness i guess and that heightened awareness of your thoughts and emotions and such it always comes back to i always come back to the um the book seven habits of highly effective people where he, he really pulls out the the example from 
Viktor Frankl in the concentration camps of, and that distance between stimulus and response. The stimulus is the thing that happens and then the response is obviously how we react. But the gap in between those two, the gap between the stimulus and the response, that's, how it, that's where we have the opportunity to choose, irrespective of what the stimulus may be and what a, a you know, quote, quote marks, normal response might be. We get the choice, right? And so yeah. I think meditation is one of those tools that really largens that gap and gives us the, the ability to make those choices. 100%. You kind of, there's like the chimp paradox, there's plenty of books that explain how the mind works, but you have kind of got that chimp brain what instantly reacts. Yeah. So somebody might, say when you're driving, somebody might cut you up. It's been used many times. Somebody cuts you up and your chimp brain will be to bid and go mad and get angry and get stressed. Whereas you don't know, they might be in a rush for something major in their life. You know, like, they've maybe not done it intentionally just to get you angry but your chimp brain instantly is like ah! whereas if you can become more mindful you that you can stop that so rather than being so like responsive and instinctively getting angry and mad you can you can just take a breath and and you and you found with it you know like it, it moves. and that takes a lot of stress out of yourself because the minute you get like that your body's releasing adrenaline and cortisol and all sorts of chemicals. And that stays with you for a while. And it's it's not doing your immune system any good. Your stress releases. So if when you learn to be more mindful and you're not going to respond to, to times like that, you, you're a lot healthier, a lot better in the long run, you know, yeah. health-wise. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I fully agree. I fully agree. To other so other we've mentioned a few books are there any particular books that you regularly uh either come back to and read yourself you mentioned the chimp paradox uh as being one of them but are there are there any specific books that you recommend people pick up as well and that you regularly refer people to it's, i read i read daily and i listen to audible daily um but a, a really good in what i really like is black box thinking black box um, thinking yeah, that's a really good book. Um, okay. And the other, uh, Limitless by Jim Quick is a, is a good book. Um, yes. I enjoy that. Yeah, I enjoy that one. Uh, going back to, like, obviously after Three Magic Words was Think and Grow Rich, which anybody who wants to, to understand the mind a little bit more is is that and the, the secret as well, like the, the obvious ones. Yeah. What what start off kind of mindfulness and but yeah, there's there's, there's tons of books. What what we go is even I'm not a religious person, but um, there's books like the Genie Within or Conversations with God. Um, and again, it's just about your thoughts and and it's I've been a conversation with with God and he's well, why why do you do that? Why are you thinking that way? Yeah. No. And, and them type of books just make you think as well. It's, I think that one of my, the one I'm listening to at the minute is um, the, the Philosopher's Handbook, or something. Philosopher's Handbook. So it's all about Greek towns. And again, it's just ways of thinking throughout the, throughout the years. Okay. Um, but as, as far as just one book, uh, there's not one that just stands out. Um, for, for people who struggle with the health, um, you are the placebo by Joe Dispenser is a real good book. Um, because 
a lot of people truly believe that they're poorly or they're going to be alone. They're not going to repent themselves. Whereas Joe, I don't know if you know Joe Dispenza, but I've read I've read a couple of his, but I've not read that one. So you are Debo. Yeah. yeah, well, he, for people people who don't know, he is he, he got run over and he was it broke his back and in a few places he was told he never walk. And he could have had surgery, but the surgery would have caused more damage. And he believed, through his own knowledge, the body heals itself. Like if you get a cut or you, you bang your head or something, you, no doctor makes it better. You, your body heals itself. And he, he believes that on the inside as well as the outside. Yeah. And when you read the book, um, you are a placebo. It's, it's really good because it just makes you realize like what you're thinking is. Re- does come true, you know. Like if, if you believe you're you're really well, then you're going to be really well. If you believe you're going to get poorly, eventually you will get poorly. Yeah, I will. I'm going to take a look at that. It, uh, there's another one in his which had been recommended a few times, uh, which I have read, um, and the name of it has slipped my mind. But I will the, find that whilst we're chatting because I think that that be... becoming supernatural is another good one of it. Right. That's not the one I'm th- I'm thinking, but I will take a look whilst we're chatting because uh, I want to I want to share that on here as well. Um, I mean, any literally anybody that's listening now, you you've just <laughs> you've just been given. Yeah, that's that's your reading for the next you know for the for the next <laughs> few months, right? That's that's amazing. Um, and oh, that's the one: breaking the habit of being yourself, um, yeah. which includes meditation as well. That's Dr. Joe Dispenza. So, three of his books that we've recommended there, and again, I I will. Put them in the um, put them in the show notes for for people that are listening. Um, I love that. That's the, so much that people can take away just just from that section. So, yeah. um, kind of, I'm, I'm very conscious of time, so I'm just just going to wrap up with a with a, a couple of final questions, if I may, um, Steve. But um, the first of those is is you've talked about reading, we talked about audible, audible, you talked about meditations, you've talked about uh, you know, breathing practices and such. Is there a particular like habit or routine or practice that you do? Do you have a specific morning routine or evening routine or like what do you what do you do now on a consistent basis that really sets you up for the day? Best thing I do when I wake up is uh, a glass of water or a couple of glasses of water because we don't need to drink tons and tons of water, but when you wake up in the morning, you are going to be pretty dehydrated. So drink some water before anything. So that's that's what I normally do. Then I'll tend. I don't normally have breakfast. Um, I'm more of a intermittent faster. So I can go up to like twelve o'clock without without food, um, and then I'll eat kind of healthy or fairly healthy through the day. But yeah, that's the, the, for me. The, the main thing is is being hydrated in the morning. Yeah, good good foods throughout the day. Plenty of good fats like olives, avocados olive oil, omega-3s, and then I'll try and do a workout of some form like five days a week, even if it's only some pull-ups or some press-ups, or, but I'm doing something, just some exercise. Other than that, it's just sort of like learning, cut, like if I've got clients, after I've had a client, I'll, I'll, I need like half an hour to myself just to process what what's gone on like some people have been through some some horrendous things and when they start sharing it with me obviously i'm taking on that energy 
So I'll give myself half an hour just to, to process that and a bit of meditation. And then, yeah, a good seven, eight hours sleep every night is, is the key. A lot of people can't sleep. If you can't sleep, get in touch with me. Uh, I'll, I'll help you out. Get your windows relaxing. But, but yeah, make, being hydrated, eating good foods, and sleep. It, all the obvious, basically. Yeah. Uh, I get I get a lot of dads up, get in touch with me and say they're getting from work and they're, they're, they're tired and they've got no energy and they, they want to go and kick a ball about with the kids. So we'll, to, they want to do something, but they haven't got the energy to do so. And then I'll, I'll look at them and I'll be like, well, who's telling you you haven't got the energy? And they'll say, well, I'm tired. And I'm like, yeah, but are you going to go to sleep? Or are you going to sit and watch TV? And they'll say, oh, no, well, I'll, I'll sit and watch TV. I'm like, well, you, if you're not tired then. If you want to go and kick a ball about saying that you're tired, just tell yourself you've got 20 minutes. And I'll like, it's your, again, it's your fault. And the amount of people that will go and do it, and then it becomes a way of, like, they'll do it every other night. And that's their little bit of exercise, what they wouldn't normally got. So even though they, they, even though they feel tired, it, but if, if someone said to me, oh, I'm really tired, and I said to you, I said, oh, there's, there's a, a, a grand there, go and run to the top of the street and back, no matter how tired you are, they're going to get up and they're going to go and run for that money. Absolutely. Unless they physically can't. And as, as humans, as long as we're physically capable, like with our limbs work and such, we we are we have got superpowers. We can be like near enough exhausted and still get up and run because that's how we're designed. Yeah. When when guys are getting in from work and they're like, oh, I've got no motivation or I'm tired, but it's like no, you're telling yourself you've got no motivation. You're telling yourself you're tired. Just go and do it for twenty minutes. You'll you'll feel better for doing it. Yeah. And and they do it, and then they'll get in touch and they'll say thank you for that. You know, like it's made a difference. And it, it's just adding that little bit of exercise, even if it's a walk up the street. Water, exercise, and good foods are the three kind of fundamentals that, that we need to, to have a happy, healthy life. The rest of it's in here. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree. So keep keeping it simple, as you said, you know, water, <laughs> exercise, plenty of, plenty of, plenty of sleep. Um, yeah, there's, there's, it doesn't have to be difficult, you know, like, there's lots of massive diet plans out there and all sorts of things, but as long as you're eating fairly healthy and in moderation, it's it's really really it can be really simple. But people again, we overthink things and and we, we buy into things that we believe are going to transform our lives. And the only thing that's going to transform your life is is this. It's how how you think. Not there's no yeah there's no there's no magic pills or no nothing else out there. Yeah. Other than what you have yourself in here, uh, and when you learn to understand that, it will turn your life around. Of course, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I couldn't agree more. It's it, that we are we've we've got an incredible amount of power to be able to to determine the direction of our lives, and it's just about harnessing that and and having that awareness. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very conscious of time. So I'm I'm um, I'm, I'm uh, and I want to be respectful for your time as well. So. I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everybody that comes on the um, comes on the show. The title of the podcast is Influence. Uh, what does the word influence mean to you? Word influence to me means like if I'm going to influence, I want to influence people to think in a more positive light, to 
to believe in themselves and influence as, as this message is going out through your podcast, hopefully it'll influence people to start using the mind more positively rather than negatively and start start believing in themselves. Because if you believe in yourself, you can achieve absolutely anything. There's not there's no one person on this air that is better than somebody else. Everyone's equal. Um, don't matter how you look, how big you are, how small you are, none of that matters. It's it's this. We've all got this. And if you can use the brain right, and you will use your mind right, not so much your brain, but it's it's what's going on around there. If if you can believe in yourself and be positive, then you can influence others to, to feel the same. So I might influence one person, that person might influence somebody else, and so on. Um, yeah. So yeah, just by, by being kind, being positive, believing in yourself, it, it, it'll influence anybody else to carry on and, and carry that on. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so That's much, Dave. I genuinely appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing you know, the, the, the full story and everything that's happened. And I'm extremely excited you know, that we're in contact and, and to see your kind of growth and progress of the, of the coaching, the, the speaking events, particularly now as we're coming out of out of lockdown as well hopefully for hopefully permanently in the uk um just the final thing then is is for people that are listening if they'd like to connect with you if they'd like to get in touch with you and learn more about what you do more about your story how you may be able to help them as well where's the easiest place and again we'll put these links in the show notes but where's the easiest place for people to connect with you uh, if they would like to to do so and they'd like to learn more the easiest place is to discuss my website which is www.sklifecoachuk.com LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, everything else, again, is just SK Life Coach UK. So basically, the, the SK is Steve Kirby Life Coach, but I'm in the UK. So I was trying to think of a name for a business. It was Steve Kirby Life Coach UK Limited. So yeah, SK Life Coach UK. One thing I will ask everybody to do while I'm here, because I'm trying to grow my Instagram and I don't really use it much. <laughs> Yeah, connect with me on my Instagram. Um, again, SK Life Coach UK. Um, and yeah, if, if I can help anybody, I will. If if anybody wants to use my story in any kind of way, just get in touch and and we we'll, we'll can have a chat. Um, but like you said, as we're lifting out of lockdown, there's many many people that have never suffered of anxiety before. Now they're gonna even just going back into shops and stuff and pubs. People are anxious of, of doing so because of of obviously health and COVID. Um, but yeah, if anybody needs that reassurance or they're looking for a coach, I get into it. Perfect. Steve, that, that is perfect. Thank you so much. I am I'm gonna put all those links in the, the show notes for people. There's a there's a whole whole load from this episode, um, whole load of value. We've got the the, the various books that we've talked about and I put those links in there. So the website SK lifecoachuk.com sklifecoachuk.com uh, and then linkedin um exactly the same uh, steve kirby sk life coach and then instagram sk life coach as well so we'll put all those links in so that people can connect with you steve thank, thank, you, thank, you. thank you again so much for joining us on the show i really appreciate it i'm excited to share this episode and i know that we'll get a lot of uh, feedback from it as well so for everybody that's been listening Thank you all for being with us. Uh, thank you for, for joining. And uh, Steve, thank you. Thank you for having me, Jeff. It's been, it's been a honour. I've enjoyed it.
so, as have I, mate, as have I. And, uh, and there's a, a good chance that we may do this again and hopefully we'll catch up in person at some point in the near future as well. So for, yeah. everyone, for sure, thank you. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, I hope that you've taken from this uh, and do connect with Steve uh, through all the different links in the show notes and we will see you in the very next episode. All the best, take care and we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Hi friends, Jake here again. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find links to anything that we've discussed, books, trainings, other podcasts, uh, anything currently that we're enjoying, you will find those in the show notes or you'll find it somewhere in and around all the information that you usually find in a podcast. And a reminder that if you'd like to know more about what I do, if you want more of tools, resources, any recommendations, readings, uh, free training, products and such, then you can find all of that on the website jakeadamdavy.com. Equally, if you want to come over and say hello, Instagram is always the best place and the account is at jakeadamdavy. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't hesitate to leave us a review. Of course, the more stars, the better. And equally, sharing is caring. So if you've heard something or listened to something that you've enjoyed yourself and you think will be beneficial or useful to other people, please do pass that on. It will be very much appreciated. And as you know, when you get a recommendation from somebody that you trust, there really is nothing better. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay on mission, do something extraordinary for others, keep inspiring and keep growing your circle of influence. Goodbye.